Hallelujah. Let's give that to the Lord this morning. Father, you're worthy in every way. You're beautiful. You're majestic. You're powerful. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm excited to be in the house of God this morning. Amen. Well, I love the Lord. Anybody love the Lord today? Isn't he so good? You know, I, I just I just believe that anybody that comes to church loves the Lord. And you know what's so unique about a congregation of any size, whether it's five or whether it's 150 or 5,000, is that we all come from so many different backgrounds. Just so many different walks of life. But we come together for one thing. And that's to lift up the name of Jesus. We can put our personal differences aside. And we can focus on Jesus. He said, and I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto me. And... We all today have various opinions on God, various opinions of how our situations are being handled, various opinions perhaps maybe even of what it takes to make it to heaven. But when we open our hearts, And the heart is indicative of the mind. The words are used interchangeably in the word of God. Or when we open up our minds and allow the Lord to work in our minds, you put your preconceived ideas of God, of salvation, of help. You put all that aside and you're open simply to the word and to God. That's when we can all truly come together. And then God can do what he wants to do in our lives this morning. You know, I've never professed to be a great preacher. I just do more of telling you what's on my heart. And I've got a lot on my heart this morning. I was in prayer last night, and I'm just going to tell you what I feel, and I'm going to preach what I feel. But there, there is an urgency in the Spirit this morning. There is an urgency in the Spirit. There's some things that I preach. I have no clue why I'm preaching it. But just believe that God knows best. There is an urgency in the Spirit today. Ma'am, I don't know you, sir. I don't know you if you're a guest today. I know some of the the church people. But there's never been a better time to make things right with God than today. You're never going to get a better opportunity than what you have this morning to get your life right with God. Your past does not have to hinder you. You can't let the hang-ups and the mess-ups of yesterday prevent you from a better tomorrow. God is the God of new beginnings. And today can be a new beginning in your life. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the word of the Lord this morning. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you all again today. Genesis chapter 37.
I'm going to begin with verse number 18. Amen. The word of the Lord reads, And when they saw him afar off, they being Joseph's brothers, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. It came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that the, they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. They took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, what profit is it? If we slay our brother and conceal his blood, come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh and his brethren were, were content. Then there passed by Midianite merchantmen and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned unto the pit. And behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. This passage has been preached from many times regarding Joseph. I don't want to preach about Joseph this morning. I want to preach about Reuben. And Reuben returned into the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. I preached this morning the race between time and good intentions. The race between time and good intentions. Father, today we need the help of the Holy Ghost. God, there are so many different circumstances, so many different lives that are in the building today. But regardless of the walks of life, regardless of where everyone came from or where they returned, what matters is, did we get our heart right with you today? I ask that there would be a spirit of revelation and understanding would come upon these great people. And Lord, let them be open to the word of God and the spirit of God that wants to speak to them today. Can we clap our hands to the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Although we come from so many different walks of life, we come from so many different backgrounds, there's one thing that we all have in common, and that is our ability or our, rather our inability to control one thing. This thing 
has diverted many people's diets for many years. It's hindered men and women from making millions, wasted more lives which were full of potential. It's been rehearsed from the lips of drug addicts as a way to justify taking one more hit. It's prevented countless miracles. Its record of victories is too exhaustive to track. It prays around as a champion both in the world and the church and declares itself unbeatable. This thing, this entity that I'm speaking about this morning is known as tomorrow. Tomorrow, in my opinion, is the ultimate thief. It has robbed countless lives. I didn't go to school and I didn't go to college because I thought God was coming back before four years was up, so there was no point in me going. I was wrong. Many people put off miracles. They put off responding to the Spirit. They put off things in the secular world because they think they'll have plenty of time, time, time. The one thing that when it is spent is non-refundable, time. Many people fall prey to procrastination, rolling the dice, if you please, at whether or not they will make it one more day. Hear me this morning, now is not the time to roll the dice, but now is the time to respond to what God wants to do in your life. And roll the dice with some things but when it comes to your spiritual walk with God that is not something to take lightly that is not something to just roll the dice on and say well I'll always have another day you may not have another day hear me today I'm not talking to you about the rapture I'm talking about just time in general you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow you don't know what's going to happen this afternoon All you know is right now I'm in the presence of God and I better make good use of it. Time. People think they'll always have time. I can always get right with God. I, I can always get my miracle. I can always get my healing. You have service on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But hear me. God's timing is not the same as our timing. We can sit here and orchestrate all these services, but that doesn't mean you'll make it back. That doesn't mean that you'll have another opportunity to make things right with God. I'm talking about time, tomorrow, tomorrow. See, Joseph was despised by his brethren. It was Joseph who had two dreams, and and out of just, I guess, excitedness, he just told his dreams. But it was by telling those dreams that it infuriated his brothers. Infuriated. So one day his brothers were in the field and, and his dad said, Joseph, why don't you go over there and you check on our brothers, on your brothers. He said, okay. So he went and the Bible says when they saw him afar off, they conspired, concocted a plan. Behold, this dreamer cometh. But I know a way to get rid of this dreamer. And here they are talking together, we'll, we'll take his coat off of, we'll put blood on him, we'll kill him. But Reuben said, no, no, guys. I don't know what kind of relationship Reuben had with Joseph, but Scripture indicates there was a soft spot. He was tender towards Joseph because he said, don't kill him. Don't kill him. How about we do this, guys? How about we throw him into this pit? Because the Bible said that he was going to come back. 
And he was going to deliver him out of that pit. He said, we'll deliver it. We'll, we'll throw him in that pit. And he'll be fine there. And his mind, he said, well, I'll be back. I got plenty of time. And the race between time and good intentions kicked off. And I don't know what Reuben did. But he must have wandered away from the rest of the brothers because the Bible said that Judah said, why don't we sell him? And I just know if Reuben was there, Reuben would have said no. Because Reuben had a plan. Reuben was going to come back and pull him out of that pit. He had a, he had a good intention. I don't know. Maybe Reuben wandered back home to get something to eat. Maybe he figured, well, I, I've got plenty of time. He's going to just be sitting in that pit and I'll come back to get him. Time. I, I got plenty of that stuff. Good intentions was racing between time and, and and maybe he lost track of time that day maybe a couple of days passed i don't know the bible doesn't say how long went by before the midianites came but the bible does say that reuben came back to that pit and, I, and maybe he was hollering at joseph on the way there and, and maybe joseph wasn't responding and he thought maybe he was just sleeping may i don't know what happened but as he got to the pit and he looked down Bible said that Joseph wasn't there. And there was a grief that came over Reuben. And the Bible said that Reuben rent his clothes. Because in the race between time and good intentions, time won. He had all the best intentions of coming back and pulling his brother out of that pit. He had all the best intentions of being the great hero and, and, and comforting Joseph. But when he came to good intentions, he realized that time was the victor. Hear me this morning. There are plenty of people that are in a race between time and good intentions. They have the best intentions of living for God. They love God, but they think that they could do it tomorrow. They think that they could do it next week. They think that they'll always have time, but more times than not, time wins. Time is the vicar when you consider when you consider the ten virgins, the five wise, and the five foolish, they all had good intentions. They all wanted to meet the groom when he arrived. But when it came closer and closer, five of the, of the, of the virgins didn't have the oil. And the race was on. Will you make it back in time for your good intentions to beat time? But when it came down to it, the groom showed up. And five were there and five were gone. Time won. Hear me today, I'm talking to someone who wants to live for God with all of your heart. You've been contemplating in your mind. You've been contemplating selling out everything you have to live for God. You want to live for God with all of your heart. You have the best of intentions, but you've been putting it off. Hear me today. You're in a race between time and good intentions. You don't come to God on your terms. Everyone comes to God the same way. You have to repent of your sins. You have to die out. And you receive the power of the Holy Ghost through the evidence of speaking in tongues. And you're buried with Him in baptism. And you're born again of water and of spirit. That's the only way that you come to God. It's the only way. You can't, you can't, you don't get good, then get God. You get God, then you get good. You're never going to have your problems all 
taken care of before you come to God. You come to God and you let him take care of your problems. Too many people are waiting to get all their ducks in a row before they make a move. Time will beat you. Time will beat you because you're never going to have your ducks in a row. You're never going to have your act together. That's why you come to God and you let him get your act together. Hear me this morning. God gives opportunity. Man gives makes services. We may be able to get the same singers, the same music, the same people up here sitting in the same places, but what will change is the opportunity. The opportunity. God will construct certain services tailor-made just for you. Just for you. He's pulling you a certain way. And you may be able to come back through those doors, but that nudge of the Spirit may not be there like it once was. See, there are many times in the Bible that people would have missed out on their miracle because Jesus was just going to walk by. And the only way they got the miracle was they had to reach out to him. And the only way you're going to get what you need is you're going to have to make a move towards God. See, I was 17 years old. I was at a youth rally. And I I had just been diagnosed with a genetic back disorder. The bones in my back were too short. Therefore, it was pressing on my spinal column. And I was going numb from the waist down. I I would wake up out of bed and I would just fall flat on my face because I thought I was good, but I wasn't good. And this had been wreaking havoc on me for a couple of years. I was 15 years old. I'll never forget I went to that youth rally. Had all my friends with me. You know how it is, you're 17 years old. That's when you're kind of too cool to live for God. But you got to live for God because you're scared of going to hell. That kind of thing, you know. And I'll never forget I was at that youth rally. I was standing over on this side of the altar. And the preacher preached. And after he was done preaching, I was hanging out with all my friends up at the front. He went and he laid himself flat across the platform back there. And I was watching him. He he got up and he came back to the platform and he grabbed the microphone. And he said, he says, someone is here today and you're having back problems. He said, if you'll come forward, God's going to heal you. Now, this is a youth rally. You call for back problems in a nursing home, you look like a prophet. But you don't call for, you don't call for back problems at a youth rally. So I was like, all right, God, you're you're singling me out here. And the race between time and good intentions began in my mind. And I was sitting there contemplating, do I move or do I stay? Do I move and get what God has for me? Or do I stay where I'm standing and live in the pain? And I stood. Four or five people came up for the front. And I watched and pray for each of them. He prayed for him. He went back to the plat- to the back of the platform. He laid down. And I said, well, God, I, I just accepted. I missed it. He came back again. He said, no, there's one more. He said, and your bones are too short in your back. And if you'll come forward, God will heal you. Once again, the race between time and good intentions was rolling through my mind. And I said, God, I don't want to be embarrassed. 
I don't want to be embarrassed. And by the time I was done thinking that, he said, all right, time's up. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. And six months later, I was on an operating table in Houston, Texas. Time won. Time. One, hear me this morning. God gives opportunities for people. He knows right where you're at. He knows the needs that you have right now. He knows the circumstances that you're facing. He heard the questions uh, uttered from your lips this morning regarding whether or not he knows where you're at. I'm telling you today, you're in a race between time and good intentions. And this is one race. uh, Hear me this morning. This is one race that you don't want to lose. See, I preach, I preach with a burden because I had a vision of hell. I was, I was youth pastor to great young people. And I was saying, God, how can I reach these young people? How can I reach these young people? Because we were having youth services and we were just having a bunch of mediocre church. No one was really moving towards God. I'll never forget one night in the middle of my sleep, God gave me a dream. I was in a room. It was just a small room and it had It had four doors. One door, you came in just like one of these doors. You came in, and it was lined with benches. You sat there. And I said, God, in my dream, I said, God, what is this? He said, it's the judgment. I'm not saying this is how it's going to be, but this is how God showed it to me so I would understand it. He said, it's the judgment. I said, oh, God. Oh, God, it's over. It was one of those dreams that was so real. It was so vivid. I was living it. On one door... It was like the DMV where your number's called and you walked in. Time was, it didn't matter. There was no time. And I watched people walk in and then they would walk out and they were holding a little card and some were crying with their card and some were happy with their card and the happy ones went to this door and the sad ones went to this door and my number was called and I went to that door and I saw the Lord and I said, God, what's going on? He said, I want to show you what it's like when you don't make it to heaven. Immediately, tears started rolling. And on my card, he stamped no. And I took my card. And I went through that door that all the sad people were going through. And when I walked through that door, I saw some of my young people. The ones that I was preaching to. And I saw them standing in a line. And I saw demons from hell come to each one of those young people. And begin to do things of torment. And and the thing that was so sad was when you went through that door, you relinquished all will. You relinquished all power. You relinquished it by your decisions you made on earth. And those demons could do anything they wanted to those people. And I watched my young people cry and scream and wail at the acts of torment that they were being put through. And I couldn't do anything about it. And I woke up crying from that dream. And I began to preach to my young people with a greater intensity and a greater passion. And it's carried on ever since that time. Because I don't want anybody going to hell. I don't want anybody going to hell. Hear me today. You don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven this morning. You're in a race between time and good intentions. You have all intentions of living for God. Now's the day to do it. That's why the Bible said today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Today. While you have an opportunity to live for God, you live for God today. When you leave the service this morning, 
when you leave this evening, whenever you leave a service, the one thing that you should say is, am I ready to meet God? Did I put forth all effort? Did I make myself ready? If I get in a car wreck, if I, whatever happens, if my time is up, am I ready? Am I ready? Am I ready? Hear me today. I'm not trying to scare you. I have, I, if I wanted to scare you, I have so many scare tactics. But Jesus preached double the times on hell than he did heaven. Because he doesn't want anybody going to hell. He don't want anybody going to hell. He said, he said I, I don't want anybody to perish, but I want all to come to repentance. Stand with me this morning. God's ready to move right now. If the musicians could come. There's an urgency this morning, ma'am. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the situations that you're facing right now. But I do know this. Right now you have time to get things right with God. You have time to get your heart right with God. You have time. You may not make it tonight. You may not make it tomorrow. But you have time right now. You have time right now to get your life right with God. You don't have to come and tell everybody your problems. What's so beautiful about God is you bring Him your mess. You let Him give you beauty for ashes. You let Him fill you with His Spirit. But I don't understand all this stuff about the Holy Ghost. Good. Good. You don't have to understand it. They didn't understand what they were waiting on on the day of Pentecost either. All they knew was they had a promise. And God showed up with the promise. You don't have to understand anything about what's going on today. All you have to have is an open heart and a willingness to live for God. And you let God fill you with the power of the Holy Ghost. You let God change your life. That instability that you struggle with, God will give you a stable life. God will give you something sure, something solid to stand on today. Sir, Mark my words, it'll be the greatest trip you ever made when you come down to an altar and you let God change your life. It can't compare to any high, any drug, any drink of alcohol. The greatest thing you can do is live for God and be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Would you lift your hands this morning all across this building? We're fixing to make a call to the altar this morning. Come on, would you open up your heart? That's beautiful. Lord Jesus, we love you today. We worship you today.